Well, hello there, my true crime homies. Welcome back to the I'm Telling You What podcast. It has been a while and I'm looking forward to getting back into things after a much needed break. Um, I didn't necessarily intend on taking a break, but I realized I needed one after starting a full-time job, being in school online, taking care of my child, all while my husband was away for military-related things. Um, there was just a lot going on, and I needed a minute to reconvene my brain cells, because <laughs> I had none, let me tell you. All marbles were lost, but I hope you are all doing great and staying safe out there, more importantly, and that your summer was wonderful. I must say, it is now football season, and I am so pumped about it. I have missed football season so much. I don't know if y'all have, but oh my gosh, this is my favorite time of year, and that also means that spooky season isn't that far away. So it, this is just the best time of year. This is when all the fun starts, you know what I mean? So um, speaking of spooky season, though, for this podcast, spooky season will begin October 1st. I have some major plans for October, and the episodes I'm going to put out are going to have some guests, I'm going to have some interesting stories to talk about, some will be true crime, some will just be spooky, some will be haunted, all that good stuff. Um, and I am really looking forward to it, and I will also be pre-recording episodes so that I can get episodes out to you all in a timely manner and to keep from taking breaks all the time to get research done. <laughs> because I sometimes forget how time consuming it is to get research and not only just research, but good research. Um, I want to make sure that I do my due diligence um, rather than just hurrying through things just to get content out. That's not what I'm about. I want to make sure I look everything up in depth look into every possible thing that I can so that you can not only get the best stories, but so that way facts don't get twisted. And, you know, unfortunately, there are going to be instances where that may happen. I think it could happen to any true crime podcaster or show or whatever, because sometimes, unfortunately, media outlets don't always put true information out there. So, that goes for any story, though, not just the one I'm going to talk about today. So anyway, <laughs> thank you so, so much for joining me today as we talk about this unsolved murder case right out of Jacksonville, Florida. I have been living here myself for a little over a year now, and I actually heard about this story on our local news station, uh, News 4 Jacks. Um, back when this happened and back then I was absolutely like shell-shocked because the Jacksonville Beach area is a happening area and if you live in like Neptune, Jack's Beach, Atlantic Beach, Ponte Vedra even, you know that this is a very family-oriented area. There's a lot of people with children that live in the beaches area. Um, and you also have two major military bases here. You have uh, Naval Station Mayport and Naval Air Station Jax. Um, so between those two places alone, 
there are a lot of military families in this area, as well as retired people living on the beach. There's tons of schools. There's places to walk around, shop, all that stuff. Like, it's just a very heavily trafficked area, which is why I was kind of frozen when this story came out. Um, because you just wouldn't picture something as heinous as this happening in an area as nice as Jack's Beach. And I think if you have been to the area or live in the area, you would say the same thing. That like, well, I also feel like that's the case for like a lot of these true crime stories. It's like, oh my gosh, I could never picture that happening in my hometown. But all it takes is one crazy, sick person. And you'll learn that as we go about this case. But um, other than that, I don't really have any case updates for you right now because I want to focus all of our attention to this case. And for me personally, it's very important that I get this out and bring attention to it because not only does the family want that, but they deserve answers. So, Let's go ahead and talk about the case of Jared Brightigan because I'm telling you what, people are disgusting and evil and we are going to help this family and bring light to this. All right, peeps, we're going to just jump right into this. So as you can tell from the title, today's case starts with a man named Jared Bridegan, a Microsoft executive. And aside from Jared being labeled a caring and loving individual that would do anything for his kids by those that knew him best, there's some important information I want to provide to help everyone understand who he really is. Jared Bridegan was born in Warrensburg, Missouri in 1988, and he moved with his family to Jacksonville, Florida at a young age and graduated from Douglas Anderson School of the Arts in 2007. Jared did go to college in Utah after this and graduated in 2014. But two years after he graduated high school in 2009, Jared met a girl named Shanna. They met while Shanna was visiting a friend in Florida. And in April 2010, just a year later, um, the couple got married and moved to Salt Lake City, Utah. They moved to Connecticut shortly after having twins and ended up leaving not long after that because they were told their son had a heart condition that required him to live at sea level. So the couple picked it up and moved back to Jacksonville, Florida. And unfortunately, this is when things started to get a little rocky between Jared and Shanna. Not long after moving to Florida, the couple began having marital issues. And this started, allegedly, after Jared had, allegedly, found provocative emails between Shanna and her CrossFit trainer. Jared felt that Shanna had become emotionally attached to her trainer and ultimately believed she had an affair 
and in February of 2015, Shanna filed for divorce and requested primary custody of the twins. And everything after this seemed to be very stressful and complicated. Um, for example, in May of 2015, Jared accused Shanna of, of spying on him and invading his privacy. And he allegedly said that she put surveillance cameras in their house and in his car. Um, and I believe I read that he was accusing her of putting surveillance cameras like in their bedroom and in the kids' bedrooms or something like that. Um, so yeah, not, not the best of situations. Um, Shanna also allegedly accused Jared of, quote, disturbing and abusive behavior and regularly interrogating the kids and coaching them on what to say around Shanna. Jared denied all of this, um, against him and said, no, I'm the one <laughs> being treated in a disparaging manner in front of the kids. But of course, Shanna denied this as well. So things went back and forth for a while. And there were actually, in fact, 300 entries made to their divorce filings. 300. Possibly more than that, but I definitely know at least 300. Um, but nothing was ever proven in regards to the allegations made against Jared, because according to his now wife, Kirsten, they were all baseless accusations. There was nothing to back them up. So, a divorce settlement was reached in July 2015. But what's important to know here is that even in the midst of this very difficult time, Jared was still all about his kids. He wanted to do what was best for them and focus on them, which I think is pretty incredible. Jared eventually and ultimately chose to move forward with his life and continued working as a software manager. And in 2017, Jared expressed that he wanted to start dating again, and so he joined some dating apps. And as a result, he met a nice young woman named Kirsten in early 2017. Kirsten was working in Charlotte, North Carolina at the time and worked for Microsoft. And the two really hit it off, and they talked a lot on the phone because they were still long distance at the time. And uh, eventually, Jared decided that it was time that they meet in person. So he drove six hours to North Carolina to take Kirsten on their first date. That is so sweet. Oh, my goodness. And so a few months after this, Kirsten asked her company if she could work remotely full time. And so she packed everything up and moved to Florida. And then the couple got married in October of 2017. Oh, I love a good love story. So a little over a year after they got married, they had their first little girl together. And according to Kirsten, Jared was a great dad and was always very creative with the kids. And he was always coming up with something fun for the kids to do. And he was just super involved. And um, they also had another girl in August 2021. But during all of this stuff, though, Jared was also obviously seeing his twins every other week as part of his custody agreement with Shanna. Um, so the agreement that they made was that on that person's off weeks, Jared or Shanna would take the twins on Wednesday nights. And these were usually called date nights. And that usually consister, consister, 
consisted of going to dinner and maybe getting dessert or something, but just a way to spend time with the kids, with the twins. And then Jared and or Shanna would take the twins back home to either one of their homes um, after they had finished their date night. So if that makes sense. So if Jared had them one week, then Shanna would pick them up on Wednesdays, do their date night, and then take them back to Jared's house and vice versa. So um, all of that is kind of where the incident that took place comes into play here. Um, The things that I just talked about is exactly what Jared was doing the night he was killed on February 16th of 2022. February 16th, 2022 was a Wednesday night and Jared had just spent the evening with his, with the twins. Um, and he was taking them home along with his two-year-old daughter. Um, so he dropped the twins off at Shanna's house in the Jacksonville beach area and he headed home. And, um, he spoke with Kristen on the phone right after this and said that he and the kids had a good time together and that he was on his way home, just checking in. And it's important to know here that Jared took the same route home every time he did this. It was routine for him to go the same way every time. And Kirsten knew that Jared would usually get home between like 8.15, 8.30. That was according to one article I read. But unfortunately, Jared would never make it back home the night of February 16th. Not long after Jared and Kirsten's phone call had ended, Jared came across a single tire in the road in the area of Sanctuary Way North and Jacksonville Drive. Jared saw this tire, put his flashers on because again, it's nighttime, and he got out of the car to move the tire out of the road, investigators believe. And this is when someone approached Jared in the street and shot him three times at close range. And Jared would unfortunately and tragically die at the scene. So you may be wondering, wait a minute, you just said his two-year-old daughter was in the car. Yes, she was in the car the entire time this happened. A precious, little, innocent two-year-old girl just saw her dad get murdered. Officers were then called just after 8 p.m. after receiving reports of shots being fired in the area. Thankfully, some good Samaritans came to help with Jared's daughter and stayed with her until police were able to take her to the police station where she reunited with Kirsten. And during this time, Kirsten didn't know what was going on, by the way. She called him, texted him multiple times because she knew he would be home by a certain time. And when he didn't come home, she started to get very worried. And in an interview that I watched just a little bit ago, actually, to help prepare myself for this, um, to talk about this case, she said, I just knew something was off. And so I got in my car and she said I was calling him from my car as I was driving and she was driving the normal uh, route that he would take to drop the kids off at Shanna's and then to drive back home because she knew the way that he would go. And She was like, I'm driving around and then I'm calling him as I'm doing this and I call him and an officer picks up the phone and says that there's been an incident. We cannot tell you if Jared is okay or not, but you need to come to the police station right now. So that's where she went 
And so she reunited with her two-year-old daughter there, and she also received the news that Jared had been tragically killed and shot to death in the middle of the street in a neighborhood. So, when Jacksonville Beach police officers arrived on the scene at the front of the Lake Sanctuary neighborhood, they saw that Jared's SUV had been caught in the gunfire, and it was a miracle that his daughter wasn't harmed. And this really got to police officers. Um, I've read several things where the police officers were like, anytime there's something like this involving little kids, innocent little kids, it just like, it messes with you. It hurts you and it's painful. And I can't imagine what those men and women have had to deal with. And then when you walk upon something like that and see that she could have been harmed too, but thank God she wasn't. Wow. Wow. So people that lived in this area um, were absolutely stunned that something like this happened there because, again, like I said earlier, it's a very quiet and family-oriented neighborhood. And um, surprisingly, I actually work just a few streets over from where this incident happened. Um, like, I could probably walk there if I really wanted to. Um, but I can attest to how pretty and safe um, this area is. And there are kids everywhere in this area. Everywhere. There's lots of beachgoers, people walking their dogs, people riding golf carts, street legal ones, and people riding their bikes um, because it's a beach town. You know, that's what people do. They get outside. Um, People also do this horrible thing called running. Um, (laughs) It's just a very active and happening area. So the fact that something like this happened Um, Even to me, like I said, is just absolutely shocking. But I was actually thinking as I was researching this is how did this happen and not a single person saw it? Um, I didn't really like fully comprehend how at a neighborhood entrance where people are coming in and out that there wasn't anyone nearby I mean, maybe because it was a Wednesday night in February, so school is in, but at the same time, it's like, how did no one notice this? Um, And I think it's important to say that this definitely raised some questions um, among people in the area, people watching this on the news, myself. Um, And as I was doing all my research, I was sitting here thinking, did someone plan this? And if so, which we'll get into in a second, how did they know that no one would be coming in or out of the neighborhood at that time? How did they know where to put the tire? How did they know what time to place the tire? How did they know no one would see the tire being placed? Right? You might be thinking the same things. So let's, let's dive into that real quick. Okay, so six days go by after Jared's murder, and detectives declare that they believe the shooting was, in fact, targeted, and they went public with this information. I remember when they went public with this information, and it was, dare I say, damning, because the police, they they say what they mean. Does that make sense? Because they don't just come out and say whatever willy-nilly. What they tell the public is planned and has been vetted. Does that make sense? Like, they don't just say things to say them. They mean what they say. 
So, Detective Sergeant David Young with the Jacksonville Beach Police Department said, quote, Jared was shot to death next to the driver door of his SUV. He had his emergency flashers on in his car so he could pick up the tire. There's a reason there's a tire in the middle of the road. There's a reason he was stopped here. End quote. Sergeant Young then went on to say that the shooting was cold-blooded and the killer was three to four feet away from Jared when he was shot. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds personal, right? Am I the only one thinking that right now? That sounds personal. There were also handgun shell casings found at the scene. Now, where the incident occurred was in an area where there weren't any houses. It was wooded and it was kind of, the police describe it as a dark stretch of road before you get to the actual neighborhood. And um, it was wooded, so no one would have been able to see anything from their home, but they heard it, right? But no one saw anything. So again, how could you not think this was planned? Everything about this screams it was planned. Um, Obviously, the tire was not in the road when Jared went to drop off the twins. Um, From what we all know, it only showed up as he was leaving, now, did he take a different route um, beforehand? That I'm not totally clear on. Um, but it's very obvious the tire showed up there at a very specific time of night. Um, and Sergeant Young even said in one interview that the location of the tire was specific and that Jared used this route all the time. Like I said earlier, remember how I said you need to know that this route was routine for him. Yeah, this is where that comes into play. Sergeant Young said someone had to know his schedule and where he would routinely go in order to place a tire there that would make him stop, which also makes me think, how did they know he would be coming? How did they know no one else would approach the tire in the road and only Jared? Was it just one person that did this? Or was this more than one? Were they communicating with one another and watching Jared as he left the neighborhood that night? How would someone orchestrate this that wasn't familiar with his usual route and routine on Wednesdays? You feel me? These are the questions that I have. Um, Investigators kept looking for clues and in March, they found something. To this day, They cannot share what information they landed upon, but they issued a notice to the public, this is huge, asking for help and looking for a 2004 to 2008 Ford F-150, let me say this clearly, four-door crew cab truck with a silver toolbox and silver running boards, okay, navy blue. Navy blue F Ford F-150 between the years of 2004 and 2008. Don't you forget that if you live in Jacksonville. Police have asked the public to keep an eye out for, for this truck in the area and to see if people could check their home security cameras between the hours of 5.30 and 8.30 p.m. from the night of February 16th, especially in you, if you live in the area of the sanctuary um, area sanctuary in Jacksonville Drive area. Um, Again, they cannot release the information that made them focus on this truck, but they are asking people to keep an eye out. 
Sergeant Tanya Tater said, We cannot say why at this point. Just let us know if it was seen the night of the murder or since then. That is very telling to me. Um, she also said in one interview, um, quote, we can't discuss what the interest is. All I can say is that the vehicle is of interest to law enforcement. If we can locate it, we can go from there. We are still encouraging the public to come forward with any information they have, particularly now in light of this vehicle, end quote. So as a result of this, police picked up patrols in the area, but people that live nearby were still terrified. Um, rightfully so, because a lot of these people, like I've said a thousand times, have children, very family oriented area. And these people would constantly call the police um, for updates because they're terrified. They want to know if they're safe. Of course, I would too, if I knew that there was a killer on the loose near my house where my children play in the yard. I mean, golly, yeah, I'd want to know that too, if I was safe. So in all of this, you may now be wondering, what about Shanna? Well, let's get into that. According to her, her, <laughs> in one in-person interview with the Florida Times Union, uh, when Shanna found out the news, she said she broke down sobbing and was in absolute shock. Uh, but she chose to remain out of the public eye and refrain from saying anything. That is until June of this year, 2022, when she publicly commented on Jared's death for the first time. According to Shanna, she stayed quiet out of respect for Kirsten because, quote, she was asked not to comment in the media. But people talk. Rumors were flying around the area. Um, and Shanna and her children um, were being harassed and people were bothering them, according to her. And she said that um, she and her children were actually photographed at a nearby park one day. And there were implications with this photo that she was involved in Jared's murder. Um, she also said her business was threatened. And because of these things, Shanna said it's becoming necessary to respond and that she didn't want to make a spectacle. I want people to know where I am coming from. So what's also interesting is that in this interview, Shanna denied the public reports of her having an affair with her CrossFit trainer while she was married to Jared. So remember, Jared made these accusations against her because he found emails between her and this supposed CrossFit trainer. But she's denying that in this article. Um, she also addressed a report about her asking a tattoo parlor employee in 2015 if he knew of anyone that could, quote, shut up her ex-husband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in this article, Shanna said she she did say that in 2015, but it was because she was bitter about her divorce and didn't actually want anyone to harm him. Can I say this because we're all thinking it? Nobody just says that. You know what I'm saying? Nobody just says those things. Like, oh, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean that. I was just bitter. Like, sure, we all say things we don't mean, but... Huh? That, that's interesting to me. Um, Shanna also said that her relationship to Jared was pretty complicated and remained pretty complicated. And Shanna has actually hired a criminal defense attorney to help her and her family, especially in dealing with the publicity 
um, that surrounds her and her family um, and their safety. I can't say I blame her. I mean, you know, I try to play devil's advocate and see things from both sides of the story. So I can't necessarily blame her for seeking legal counsel to keep her and her family safe if she didn't have anything to do with this. Um, but at the time this interview was conducted, um, which I believe may have been in like March or April. No, 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 no. I said it was June. Jeez, I'm sorry. It was June of this year. So when this interview was conducted at that time, no arrests had been made and there was a $55,000 reward for information leading to whoever is responsible for this murder. And at this time, Sergeant Tanya Taylor said the case is still, oh my gosh, Tanya Tater, I'm sorry. She said the case is still active and ongoing, but no suspect information is being released. So let's now go back to April 2022. A vigil was held at a local park to remember Jared Brightigan. Kirsten, his wife, said at the vigil that her goal is to keep Jared's story alive in the community in hopes of getting more answers while also honoring his life. Kirsten said the grief also doesn't get any easier and her two-year-old still talks about her father. And uh, Kirsten also stated at this vigil that she is going to keep fighting for answers and she needs the help of the community to keep spreading awareness and to not let this simply go away over time. Um, she's also done several interviews, but one in particular really stuck out to me. Um, Kirsten did an interview with Brian Enten, Enten, E-N-T-I-N, <laughs> on News Nation. Um, he's like one of my favorite reporters. I love him. Um, but this interview with him was very eye-opening and I'll be sure to link it in the show notes. You're, you need to watch this. Um, in the interview, Kirsten stated that she had her thoughts about Shanna possibly being involved, but she was never and will never say she explicitly uh, was involved because Kirsten's not about that. She's like, I just want answers. I just want to know what happened. You know, I have my thoughts, but I'm not going to sit here and say, oh yeah, she definitely did it. That's not Kirsten. And I also do not get that vibe from her that she's not just saying that. She means that. Um, Kirsten did say, though, that the only people she knew that had problems with Jared were Shanna and her husband, Mario. Everyone else in his life, no issues whatsoever. Just them two. Another thing mentioned in this interview were a couple, um, were a couple things that Shanna did. According to Kirsten, Shanna asked for Jared's death certificate just 12 days after his murder. Why? I don't know. Um, I'm not totally sure about that. I read somewhere that it could be in regards to like social security when a family member passes away. I don't know. Um, but apparently Shanna also asked Kirsten to make sure the library books um, I guess that the twins borrowed from the library, she asked that they be returned to the school. Like, hey, don't forget. Who, who does that? Who does that? Not even two weeks after your ex-husband was killed? Who does that? But as this came out, uh, there were a few more things that became public knowledge at this time. Um, there was an article released on August 17th by the New York Post, and it revealed some pretty contradictory statements, um, especially contradictory because of what the public knew up until this time. 
So the trainer that Shanna was allegedly involved with was interviewed. Yes, you heard that right. This person's identity has been left anonymous um, for fear of their safety. But this person, um, this trainer, stated that Shanna told him she and Jared had been separated for months prior to their involvement with one another. And this trainer also said that they weren't speaking, meaning Shanna and Jared weren't speaking, and they lived on opposite ends of the house. So they weren't, they were living together, but not really. But <laughs> like I said before, Shanna denied the allegations against her that she even had an affair with this trainer. But now you have the trainer coming on the record and contradicting her statements and denials. Hmm. Very interesting. Oh, and that tattoo artist employee that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, that whole incident happened the day after Shanna filed for a divorce. She visited a tattoo shop to get a piercing and allegedly listed her trainer as her emergency contact, according to a waiver obtained by Fox News Digital. And... In this same New York Post article, um, contact was, I guess, somehow made with an employee at the twin school. And this person that they found said Shanna openly talked badly about Jared. And this person said the first time he or she met Shanna, she allegedly brought up her divorce and painted Jared in a not very good light. And it was very obvious that there was disdain. Wow. Wow. Wow, that's some pretty, um, <laughs> that's some pretty damning evidence, if you ask me. Now, all of this stuff, I, for me personally, I'm saying it is alleged, okay? I'm not stating that stuff for fact, okay? I just read about this, but, <coughs> excuse me, as of August 2022, just last month, Shanna and her husband, Mario, are still suspects, but authorities are also still short on leads. So it's like, yeah, we're considering you, but we can't pin anyone for this yet, right? But a former prosecutor um, in this same New York Post article was interviewed, and what he has to say is very interesting. His name is Daniel Bibb, and he is a criminal defense lawyer. And uh, said that the alleged affair is actually very relevant to the murder investigation. He said, quote, assuming what the personal trainer said is true, any time a person demonstratively lies during a homicide investigation, it shows a consciousness of guilt. It's not about the affair. It's that she may have lied when she knows she's under scrutiny. That is very, very interesting to think about. And a very good point if I'm being honest. So, given this info about Shanna, I have read multiple speculations. Um, I don't want to stay here too long because this is a sensitive thing to talk about and I'm not here to try to ruin anyone, but I think it's important to at least bring it up so that you can also make an informed decision on what you think may have happened here. Um, I've read a couple things that suggested Shanna and her husband Mario hired a hitman because... Kirsten says that those were the only two people that actually had any issues with Jared because outside of them, 
everyone loved Jared. He was a great guy. He was genuine. He was caring. He was loving. Um, he was approachable. And she said the only two people that had issues with him were Shanna and her husband, Mario. So, like I said, I've seen it speculated that they could have hired a hitman to do the job. Again, I'm not suggesting that myself. I'm just stating what I have seen online. <laughs> so, let's keep that straight. <clears throat> but I've also seen things that suggest Jared may have been in an altercation with someone earlier that day or that evening. Or someone else may, maybe knew his routine with his kids on Wednesday nights. But when you think about that part, Jared only had the kids every other Wednesday night. Okay? Like, hear me out for a second. I'm going to get into this. How did this person know Jared would be in the area on this particular Wednesday? Because again, <laughs> Jared only had the twins every other Wednesday night, right? So how, if he was targeted, like the police believe he was, how would this person in particularly know that it makes sense? Sorry, my grammar language didn't make sense. How would someone know he was going to be in that place at that time on that Wednesday night of the week? What? And again, how did they know that he took this route whenever he was taking the twins home. And how did this person know the twins weren't in the car? Or did they know that? And they were just going to do it anyway. Um, I have more questions. <laughs> did this person know the twins were a little older? And they would have remembered who the perp was. Would they have been able to identify the killer? And that's maybe why they waited till the twins were dropped off at home. Is that why this person chose this spot in the road to place a tire? Because they knew the twins wouldn't be with Jared. You know what I mean? Like the timing of everything. So what I have to say about all that is think about who would know all of that information. At first, I was not going to go here. But I'm just going to say what we're all thinking. Shanna and her husband are the only people that would know this very specific information, aside from Kirsten, um, unless there's someone else out there that memorized Jared's routine every other Wednesday night. And if that's the case, then we got some bigger problems and we got a true creep running around Jack's Beach that needs to be stopped and thrown in the big house immediately. You know what I'm saying? But take note, the police haven't exactly issued an alert to the public or have said anything about the public being in danger. You know, I've always heard... It's what the cops are not saying that you should be paying attention to. And I think you should just keep that in mind with this case in particular. Because have they ever come out and said, we need you to make sure your kids are inside at this specific time of night, every day of the week. And we need to uh, make sure that you're, you know, locking your doors and locking your cars and blah, blah, blah. No, no one, they've never said that. I mean, maybe they were like, yeah, just protect yourself. But like... That's generally speaking. They have never come on the news and said, we believe there's a freaking serial killer out there. No, they've never said that. So just pay attention to what the cops are not saying. I think the silence about certain things in law enforcement is what we ought to pay attention to, not just what they reveal to the public. So there's my little rant for now. Anyway, now back to Kirsten. Um, Kirsten said it perfectly, though, when she said, in summary, that the attack on her husband was also an attack on the family they had built together. And she won't take it lying down. I have chills saying that. 
She said that she will keep fighting until the end, whether it takes six more months or six more years, she will continue fighting for the kids and Jared. Um, and I just want to say Kirsten is an absolute warrior and I want nothing more than for her and Jared's families to get the answers they deserve. No family should have to go through something like this and no kid should have to see their father's murder and no kid should have to go through grief like this at such a young age that no oh it just it breaks my heart like I have I'm not kidding you guys reading these cases especially this one it it gets to me sometimes and with this one in particular I cried several times watching the interviews of Kirsten and just how emotional she is it is it's hard to stomach all of that you know and I can't imagine how she feels but as of now, no arrests have been made, and the Jacksonville Beach Police Department needs leads. They get hundreds of tips, and they have to follow up on every tip they receive, but they don't have any true leads. So, if you have anything to offer about this case, or you have seen that navy blue Ford truck, which, by the way, is a two-toned navy blue Ford F-150. It is navy blue on the top, and the bottom panel is like a silver or like a tannish brown with chrome runners, okay? I'm going to go freaking look for that truck myself. But if you have seen that truck, or you know anything, there um, is currently a $55,000 reward for information of Jared's murder and or murderer and the Jacksonville Beach Police Department asks that you call them at 904-270-1667. To close this one out, I want to say one thing. This is not just a true crime case to me. This is someone's real life. This is a heartbroken family dealing with an insurmountable loss and they are trying to navigate life while living in fear and um I can't imagine the things that they have had to go through. And side note, um, just one of the things that this poor family has had to endure, um, there was a news, um, like breaking news thing that came out in April this year. And apparently, uh, Kirsten caught someone on their home camera um, walking around their house. But their neighbor across the street was um, pulling out of their garage and it looks like it may have spooked the person. But in the video, you can very clearly see someone is around her house. And she said she called her neighbor who is ex-military and he brought his dog over and checked her whole house out because she just felt so unsafe. Those are the things that this poor family is having to deal with right now. Who that was, I don't know. Um, could it be related to the murder? Possibly. Uh, she said that that happened exactly a week after her husband was killed, but it wasn't really brought out and spoken about to the public until April. Um, but she said the timing of that was just so weird because it was like exactly a week after Jared was killed and there's somebody creeping around her house. Like, I can't, I can't imagine. I get paranoid when I see someone parked outside my house and they sit there too long. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's just crazy to me. Um, but again, if you have any information, please call the police department or call Crime Stoppers at 1-866-845-TIPS. T-I-P-S. 
Um, you can also follow Jared's wife, Kirsten, on Instagram at Justice for Jared B. And um, Kirsten, if you somehow end up hearing this, please know that I am praying for you, your family, and I pray that justice is brought soon and swiftly. Um, I pray your family stays safe and protected and that you can all have the rest that you need and deserve. Um, Jared seemed like a very special person and from one mom to another, you are my hero. 1000% my hero. Um, so you guys, that's all I have for you today. I know this was a very heavy one, but it's important I brought this one to you um, because I want to shed some light on this, get this out there even more with my little tiny podcast. But um, as I've said before, all it takes is one person to know something that could change everything. So if you are that person, please do the right thing and call Crime Stoppers or the Jacks Beach Police Department. I will have all of their numbers, all of that in the episode um, show notes. So, I hope you all have a great day, night, morning, whatever it is, walking your dog, walking yourself, doing that wonderful, horrible thing we call running. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Just please stay safe out there, okay? Be vigilant, stay safe, take care of yourselves, take care of the people around you. Um, Links for everything will be in the episode description. I love you guys so much. Thank you for joining me today and I will see you on the next one. Bye!